Hello, everyone. Welcome to our podcast. Here we will delicately and tactfully walk through each psychological issue. Psych! This podcast is meant for entertainment purposes only. This is not intended as individual, psychological, or medical advice. Please proceed at your own risk and always defer to your individual medical or mental health care team. Basically, don't make it weird, guys. Right. (laughs) Hello, everyone, and welcome to Shit Your Shrink Thanks. She's the one that called Dr. Feel Good. She's the one make you feel all right. She's I love it. Feel Good. I'm going to be your Frankenstein. Oh. Oh. I think oh. that song might have been about drugs, so I'm not really sure, but I do. Oh, I think you're right, actually. Yeah. Maybe. Which one was it? Co- cocaine, maybe? I don't know. Or ecstasy? I don't know. Well, it was Motley Crue, so mm. I'm wondering if. It was probably cocaine. Uh oh. <laughs> oh, we're gonna walk this I one mean... way, way back. We're gonna walk it way back. I was just liked it because I've had patients call me Doctor Feelgood, and now I'm like, wait a second. Eh, we'll what were you it that way? What were you talking about? <laughs> Most people don't know that what it's about. They just sing the song. Yeah, right. They don't even know the lyrics half the time. They're just singing weird shit, you know. Yeah. What do you? <laughs> I for a long time didn't know the words, so I would just be like feel good. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I do that all the time. I also make up lyrics and am notorious. You know the song I'm bl- uh ah blue a da ba dee da ba die. Yeah. I used to think it had actual words to it because you know fucking song has lyrics. So yeah. I used to sing I'm blue and I'm in need of a guy and I'm in need of a guy. <laughs> I'm in need of a guy. <laughs> I thought there were words. I didn't know you could do gibberish. There is a, um, you know what's really interesting is there's a band, I want to say, have you ever heard of Sigur Rose? They're mm. like, they just sing like atmospheric music and they go, oh, buddy, boo. It's like the who's in Whoville. Oh, uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And, so, and there's no words. There's no words. Hey, I thought I it was it. Swedish. And I told people it was Swedish like an idiot. Oh no! I said a couple times, yeah, this is a, this cool Swedish band I like. So I just thought it was Swedish words. Nope, nope. They're it's just nothing. singing vowels. It's, <laughs> it's not a thing, man. It's nothing. This is nothing. <laughs> anyway, well, uh, welcome back. What's good yeah. with you this week? Well, on a more serious note, today I just wanted to normalize learning disorders. Oh, so uh, I know I've said before on here, I can't read, guys, but I'm I'm kind of serious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're no, we're being for real, though. Uh, I I legitimately have all the signs and indicators for dyslexia or most of them enough to qualify. Mm-hmm. But I've never been formally diagnosed. But mm-hmm. uh, my brain thinks a little differently, you guys. I'm a little slow. That's why I'm the turtle. Okay. <laughs> Can you break us off a piece of the dyslexia stuff? So trying to pronounce words correctly, I see numbers backwardsly, read them backwards all the time. Trying to remember names, numbers, any of that stuff. Um, I was always reading below expected. Mm-hmm. Except for, I bet you had really good like problem solving or other things that you could do well, but the reading was Yeah, probably... the creativity was there. Like yeah. I could creatively solve problems, but um, the actual comprehending of material took me a lot longer. Yeah. Um, and I would always mispronounce things and read things incorrectly. Yeah. And I, it was 
it caused some childhood trauma where I was made fun of, but that's okay. Yeah, we're here here now. (laughs) We're here now. And honestly, it also helped me kind of overcome some things. You know, I've told Sunny here before that I did four years with Sylvan Learning Center to help improve my reading. I was blessed enough that uh, my parents were able to afford that. Yeah. Uh, or took pay cuts in other places so they could afford that, you know? <laughs> yeah, let's be, let's <laughs> be real. <laughs> yeah. But I ended up setting a goal clear back junior high that I wanted to graduate college summa cum laude. Mm. And I did bachelor's and master's level that. I was able to have A's in school, like in high school most of the time. I was yeah. third of my class. Yeah. So like I, I ended up working really hard and still achieving goals. I didn't let it hold me back. Yeah. So don't let your shit hold you back. Just because you have a learning diagnosis doesn't mean you can do the thing. You can do the thing. Yeah. Wow. So I just was bringing that around. I really, really like that. And I'm really glad you shared that. And I think mm, people, they hear us on here and they think that we don't necessarily have struggles or how would we know because you know we, we haven't been through it. And mm-hmm. we can promise you that between the two of us, we have been through it. <laughs> we've experienced we, some level of distress we, on that thing. <laughs> yeah, we've got a lot going on over here. But seriously, I it's funny because we call things disorders or disabilities. And I know in psychology, I think I think dyslexia might be called disorder of reading and written expression now. I'm not 100% sure. I think they changed the names. Yeah. But we have all these different learning disorders, ADHD, that sort of stuff. But it's funny because I've been noticing more over time that there's a strength associated with these things. Mm -hmm. And so we call it disorders or disabilities, but there was a reason why it's here. There's a reason why it adapted. Right. And there clearly was something beneficial about it. So, I mean, I I definitely noticed out of you already that you can break things down in a way that other people can't to explain it to people. And Mm -hmm. so I bet your patients get a lot more out of that. Yeah, yeah. And that's something that I also found, you know, because I struggled to figure out what the hell I'm reading and understanding. And it takes me so long to comprehend. I have to break it down for myself on such a freaking dust level (laughs) for me to be like, what is this? Uh, That then I can say, okay, this is what it is. And I can break it down for other people to that degree. So if you have ADHD, dyslexia, if you have any kind of learning disorder, don't let it stop you. Use it. Recognize that there are some strengths in that. You are thinking differently. And sometimes that thought, that different thought process is what somebody else needs to hear. Absolutely. There are so many times where I get moving too quickly and Michaela helps me to understand what the details of the situation are. And so, or, or I get stressed out about something and she's you know, I mean, she's behind me and she's moving through it more slowly and she thinks about it differently. And so it helps me to think about it differently. And think about it, guys. I mean, now she's talking for a living. So <laughs> and reading something. things. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> We've all, yeah. Uh-oh, we should yeah. all be concerned. <laughs> well, even when I wanted to do therapy, my parents were like, really? You're, you're kind of bad at reading and writing. I'm like, that's what you want to do? <laughs> and I was like, yeah. <laughs> but you know you can't read. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, awesome. so that's my feel. That's my good thing, you know, oh. overcoming some obstacles. What's- I, I have a really funny story about that, like total side note. But okay. um, 
<laughs> a good friend of mine, he also has dyslexia. I joke that I like to collect people with learning disorders. They're <laughs> my favorite kind of people to hang out with. There's something about people with learning disorders that is just so spunky and fun and creative. And I really like the energy. Anyway, this um, I will keep this person nameless. But this person also has shared with me that he kind of filters things yeah. through three or four rounds. Yep. So he'll say it in his head. He'll listen to it back in his head one time. Then he'll say it out loud. Oh, yeah. I have to reread things a billion times before I can un- uncross the words and the letters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm. That's interesting. Thanks for sharing that. We should have a whole... Ugh, I got to write this down. If anybody is listening, can you please <laughs> you send You should just me- make a list, please. <laughs> send me an email. Of all the things we say to write down, yeah. write that down. <laughs> what did I, yeah, what have I said? What What are we going to do a podcast on? But we could do one on reading disorders, writing disorders, right. ADHD. Uh, I actually used to do a lot of the testing for that sort of stuff. Mm. So it's been, uh, it's been a little it's bit of time. Yeah. yeah, it's been a minute, but or autism spectrum testing, that sort of yeah. stuff. But I think people don't know about this. And so, yeah. Like we could go through it at some point. I think we should at some point for sure. Speaking of, before I forget, oh crud! Hey yeah. everybody, we're gonna <laughs> do this. We're gonna remember <laughs> to do this one of these days. So we have a Patreon. Please support us on our Patreon. Um, we have basically three levels. We have ego snacks, which is just kind of a tip, tip jar, jar for us, and we have also no brainers and brainwash, which are a little higher levels of support with different levels of support mm-hmm. because you get different access to. Bonus content, let's call it. Uh, honest meditations are one of the things that you get access to. You get to see me giving you soothing, soothing meditations with a truthful flair. Yes. And Michaela adds handouts to that in our higher level of support. And mm-hmm. as time goes on, we may or may not add more to this. We would like to add more. We yeah. would like to have a variety of content available. Yeah, we really, we really would. So if you could support us on patreon shit your shrink thinks again that's www.patreon.com slash shit your shrink shrink thinks and then if you guys want specific things covered give us an email at shit your shit your shrink thinks at gmail.com let us know what you're liking what you'd like to hear more of any kind of content areas funny stories yeah send us your stuff yeah we want to get to know you yeah we'd love to get to know you because if you're listening to us we love you. Yeah. <laughs> like, it was super low bar. <laughs> Thank you. Remember that episode's about boundaries? Yeah, not oh, for shoot. us. <laughs> so my good... Yeah, what's, what's your good thing? Yeah, my what's good this week is I learned a new term. It was actually... So I really like podcasts, which is why we are doing a podcast. So I was listening to a different podcast. It was actually a sports podcast. And a sports podcast. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I'm impressed. Actually. Yeah. I like to listen. I have like, I don't know, maybe 10 going at any time. Wow. And I that's impressive. To, this is the same with books. Maybe I have 80. I was going to say, <laughs> speaking of learning disorders. I'm having a moment of like, wait, uh oh, uh oh. So I enjoy having a couple of different ones open and I don't enjoy the sports ones on my own but a bunch of people will send me those and okay. so i think i've referenced this before but there's a podcast called the rosillo show it's a sports podcast and at the end there's something called life advice and they talk about they have emailers mm-hmm. write in and give information and sometimes he does interviews well he did an interview with the heavyweight champion of the world it was before we now know he's heavyweight champion um but his name is tyson fury Hmm. And he was talking about something called paradise syndrome, 
which I looked up and it's, you know, it's not an actual psychological term. It's one of those pop psychology, pop psychology terms. terms. Yeah, yeah. But it's also called leisure, leisure sickness or oh. Tahiti t- syndrome. What the heck is this? Please explain. Yes. I don't even, this sounds like a not. <laughs> yeah, like, not real. Thing. Oh, paradise sickness. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm in paradise. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's Please basically explain. you have achieved all of your goals and now you are listless and just kind of directionless and Aww. rudderless. It's too much success and you don't feel like you have anything to work for anymore. And well, that's just limiting yourself. Well, it, the interesting part is there is some research that shows that people who are right have too much aren't quite as happy right generally the relationships is that's where they yeah they have the stuff they want but they don't have relationships they want right and so i was it got me thinking that the pursual of the goal not the goal itself is a good part so the experience Mm. where you are creating the beautiful thing is the good thing and so to don't wait for the end enjoy the moment yeah to kind of pair it off our mindfulness pair it off is I, that a thing? <laughs> it is now. <laughs> yeah, we're going to jump off our last episode and just talk about if you are in the present, you are experiencing the flow of the goal in that moment before reaching it. And that's really the good part. It's having a direction. Right. And I actually think I experienced this a little bit. So oh. yeah, I had a moment in time. So I do not come from a... uh let's say, super well-educated, super wealthy background. Mm-hmm. And the concept of having a doctoral degree was... Unheard of. Yeah, yeah, it's not a thing. And when I finally got done with grad school, got a job, had any kind of money at all, it was a wild experience because I was just working. I was just out there. I was doing the stuff. And it was like, oh, well, is... Is this it? And I and is I is this real life? Yeah, is yeah. this real life? Is this the whole is this, thing? Have I done it already? Like, yeah. <laughs> did I do? I did. I did it. Right. <laughs> I win, and then no confetti fell, and mm. so it was this weird feeling of definitely what I would call paradise syndrome. And it was really cool to hear this boxer on the show mm. talk about it because he was describing essentially his struggles with he got to be the heavyweight champion of the world. He did it. He won. Right. He. That was his biggest goal. And now yeah. what? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he was like accomplished something that he thought was insurmountable and he had it. And I just thought that was really cool. And I wanted to recognize in this moment part of the reason why we started the podcast is I think we both had a little bit of paradise syndrome. Mm, yeah. But yeah. I also, we were like, this can't be it. Yeah. No, yeah. This is not it. This isn't the end. But then now we are enjoying the goal of actually making the podcast. We're trying to enjoy it as we create it. Yeah. Oh, I like that. Yeah. And then, well, I had one actually just funny thing of what's good. So this this last week, I had my own moment of dyslexia where I was calling someone and I reversed. I flipped the numbers at the end of the Mm, at the end of the number phone number. And I called a different person and I said, hi, this is Dr. Sunny. I'm calling from X place. Uh, Mind if I speak with so and so and 
I had dialed the wrong number, but another human got on the line and was what like, What the heck? Was like, Oh God, I've been waiting for your call for weeks. How no. come we have, oh, been, no. we have been experiencing migraines? I've got this boil. It's been killing me. They started going on and on about their physical medical conditions. I know I didn't And it wasn't person. even the right person? What the? Oh my gosh. <laughs> what the heck and heck? I had no idea who this person was. And no. as they were How telling deep me, did you get in? Not deep. I, I realized really quickly the moment they started telling me about their like boils that we were in on the wrong page totally yeah. different situation <laughs> you're in this book and i'm over here and I, I had to kind of like i started ma'am 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 i had to get louder and louder and she was like yeah i was like i don't i'm not that kind of doctor i think we might have our wires crossed i think i called the wrong number just, oh no oh, i hope that damn doctor calls me back soon <laughs> Me too. <laughs> I hope you have a great rest of the day. Sorry. Anyway, I was just just putting the word doctor in front of something. I'm not that. I'm not the fun kind of doctor. I'm doctor feel good. I'm not like a I'm not real an one doctor. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not a real one. Don't listen to me. Anyway, so what did you do for the outside of podcast practice? So I was supposed to do at least one body scan. And I did do it. I did one, at least. I did it. And I got better. <laughs> so, hey, yeah, set the goal low and maybe you can reach it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, I wanted to do it more often than I did it, but I did do it a full-on body scan at least once. And there were other times throughout the week that I periodically mental mentally checked in with myself and mm. kind of down-regulated, like, hey, take some breaths. But as far as doing a full-on body scan, I only did it once. But, hey. That's I I wanted to do it at least once, so that's something. <laughs> I'll what take were, it. What were the benefits? Did you get from it? Well, it definitely helped me notice the tension that I was carrying, like all the stressors. Like I had done it right at the end of a work day, like literally, I had just logged off, and then I was like, "Oh, I should do a body scan." And mm-hmm. then I was like, "Jesus, <laughs> <laughs> woman, Regress. takes take some breaths." Nervous <laughs> uh, <laughs> system is a little frayed. Yeah, it was. It was. I was pretty uh, tense and and racy. So yeah. I settled everything down, did some breathing, did some stretches and and some progressive kind of muscle relaxation in certain muscle groups and I felt better and more relaxed and I should do it more often. Yeah. Even one <laughs> even one time is better than nothing though. Exactly. Exactly. But it should be something that I do at the end of each day just to check in and kind of detach from those tense muscle groups, I guess. Yeah. Or those stress carrying areas. Yeah. That makes yeah. a lot of sense. How did your homework go? It was a mixed bag. But I think good. I was trying to do mindful walking and present focus. And I was going to say when my mind was wandering to other things that were not the activity that I was doing, I'm not doing that right now. Mm. Say it out loud mm-hmm. to my mind. I did. <laughs> I did do it. Someone did hear me talking to myself. <laughs> <laughs> Oops. I did startle her. <laughs> it was oh, no. Older woman in my neighborhood. And. I was walking and trying to pay attention to the trees and I kept having thoughts about the podcast because so you guys are behind us, but we are in our real time we just released this week. Right. And I was just panicking, just panicking, (laughs) just full panic. And I had to say loudly to my brain, I'm not doing that right now. (laughs) And some lady right now was like, "Ah!" (laughs) So it I mean, strikes and gutters, it worked okay. I also, it was actually from that same podcast I listened to before, I got a phrase out of it that said, I live within the flow of time. I don't try to control it. And that was one that kind of helped me stay present. 
And I also did a thing where I tried to, sounds a little morbid, but I tried to pretend it was my last day on earth and mm. just, I would want to drink in every little thing about right. the moment. What am I doing in this moment? Yeah. And so really spend that time doing what I was doing there, enjoying the meal I was eating, enjoying the company I was having. So Aww. it does. Yeah. So was redirecting yourself like was, was it helpful? Did that thought stopping work? Yes, it did. It did help. And I tend to, my benefit is I feel more joy or more optimistic or more positive emotions, I guess, when I'm more mindful mm-hmm. and I Ditto. feel calmer. I It's more, I tend to forecast the future in the most negative way <laughs> that is. Catastrophizer. Yeah. That yeah. is my whole, I, I've, the earth, one bad thing will trigger the apocalypse. That's kind of how my brain works. And I like to get out in front of things. And so if I stay present, I tend to have a better attitude. So yeah, it was good. It was good. So what are we talking about today? So this week we are talking about animals. Animals and pets. Yeah. So we're going to talk about how interacting and caring for animals and pets can kind of help with our coping and well-being and some of the evidence behind that what what have the scientists said about pets science <laughs> absolutely bill nye pops his head into our room bill nye the science guy i miss bill nye bill 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 we, there <laughs> that was, was a- always the best day in science class <laughs> there was an episode i think it was bill nye where he was mixing some chemicals and he shouted magnesium and now in my head whenever i see a magnesium supplement i'm like magnesium anyway i like bill nye Yes. So what's the science of pets, basically? Why are they helpful? Can they help us cope? Etc. Right. I mean, nothing compares to the joy of coming home to a loyal companion, honestly. The unconditional love of a pet can do so much more, though, than just keep you company. Right. Uh, There's been evidence and studies that show they decrease stress, they improve heart health, and they can even help children uh, with their emotional and social skills. Oh, I didn't know about that. That's interesting. That's really cool. Yeah. So I found... I don't feel like I knew a lot about this beforehand. I kind of had an un, uninformed stance, I would mm-hmm. say. So I, you know me, rabbit hit the books because I wasn't really sure. Hey, what I love to that think. about you. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can't read. I need you to read for me. <laughs> <laughs> we all have our strengths. <laughs> we all have our strengths. It. I may or may not hit the books when I'm feeling something, and I'm like, this feeling is strange and i need to read about it or i i don't understand why i don't know i mean uh, i would read a i'd be a person who'd read a book about making friends that's kind of <laughs> where i'm at anyway so i looked up some studies i found mostly studies in europe or england and i would say the research and again whoever's keeping track of any of this we need to do an episode on determining what research is good research and what research true. is poor research but i'd, I'd give the research C-level evidence of kind of what I was finding. Mm-hmm. For yeah, it's still health. new. I yeah. mean, that's that's the thing. People are just now starting to study the impact of animals on our mental health. Yeah. They're just now starting to try to do, you know, therapies involving animals. It's yeah. a very, very, very brand new kind of thought process. So there's not a lot of research out there yet. It's yeah. all fresh and it still needs to be re <laughs> redone to right. make it more evidence-based right and and if you guys think about it how are you going to do a randomized controlled trial of pets because there's about a billion different types of pets you could have there's a billion different situations that people live in with pets right and so it is hard to control it and as i've said before every time i hit the books i'm always stunned by how 
little is out there. Right. I <laughs> <Yeah>. mean, <laughs> we are doing our best, but we are, again, not in an age. I mean, we are in the age of enlightenment in mental health, but it's we are not nearly as far advanced as other sciences. Right, right. So I found some studies in Europe. Uh, most of them were qualitative, which means so quantitative, the N in it means number right? Mm -hmm. So it's a numerical study with statistics. Qualitative is somebody's just describing to you their experience. Few of the studies were replicated. Few really implied causation. It was more just like there's a correlation between right. having a pet and something good happened. So I saw a cool study in England in 2016. They have 54 people in it with long-term mental health issues, and they did a qualitative structured interview about social support. So pets were part of what people said were their secure relationships not available mm. elsewhere. They helped manage people's feelings through, through distraction and encouragement for activity. And they were more important as other social activities came down. So what I want to emphasize in the study is it looked to me, uh, I'm not 100%, but that these people had longer term, more stable mental health conditions. Mm -hmm. And usually when you have something like that, that makes it more difficult to obtain social support. So it's kind of like pets were taking the place of social support right. that wasn't there and then adding some mental health benefit per their report. I mean, qualitative, right? So right. they were saying like, yeah, this is really helpful to me, which is nice. I mean, it's something. It's a place to start. Right. In the journal Science, uh, I had found one that talked about how oxytocin is boosted in both a dog and the human when the dog and owner stare into, into each other's eyes. Oh, I know that's <laughs> happening for me. I know that. <laughs> yeah. And I, I can't remember if this is the same study or a different one. One showed that it decreases levels of cortisol which is that stress-related hormone, lowers our blood pressure. Another study showed that it reduced loneliness, increased those feelings of social support like Sunny was talking about, and just boosting moods. That's so really those cool. Were some of, yeah. So yeah. biologically, there have been studies that showed that the feel-good chemicals yeah. and the stress-not-feel-good chemicals <laughs> were able to flip-flop by interacting with your beloved fluffy friends. Yeah, the good good goes up, the bad bad goes down. <laughs> Yeah, Fido protects from brain demons. Do you remember if those studies, it was funny because I didn't, a lot of the studies were just pets, not mm -hmm. necessarily dogs. A lot of them were dogs and cats, but it's like, hey, what if I wanted a, a therapy iguana? Right. A Shetland pony. Th yeah, they actually, miniature horses can be in the protected service animal category. Very interesting. Yeah. Right? It's like... <laughs> I wonder what, uh, I just wonder what. Walking research, in with a freaking mini horse. <laughs> this is my service animal, guys. Yeah. Well, and also what kind of research are we really basing our service animal stuff on? Because I know what I did didn't really show a whole lot. So it's like, okay, so Shetland ponies, but not snakes. I mean, right. I'm Slytherin. Right. Maybe I want a snake. I right. don't know. Right? Well, for, that was a service animal, though. Yeah. So a service animal is different than like an emotional support animal, which Ooh, we'll get into later. We're going to have to, yeah. Yeah. We're have to get so into we'll that. differentiate that later. Well, I can I can throw down one more study that I saw, okay. which is that there was a 2018 review, systematic review of studies, which included 17 studies internationally that looked at the relationship between pets and mental health. Mm -hmm. And you guys, if you've got a systemic review paper, that's probably a good that's your summary basically of what the research has been for the past X amount of years. Mm -hmm. And this study was published in 2018, so it's three years old, but right. it's not bad. Yeah, not too, nah, fairly so there, recent. 
Yeah. So there were six studies in a serious mental illness population. So that would be folks who identify as having uh, schizophrenia, any kind of psychotic or delusional disorders, seeing or hearing things that aren't there, serious bipolar, Mm -hmm. serious, serious depression. So six of them had those sorts of people included in the study. Six of them had just how mental health basically mental health conditions that arose from physical health conditions. Okay. So say like I had a spinal cord injury and then I had resulting depression. depression. Maybe. Yep. 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 So that would be six of the studies. Two were just developmental disorders. So not even really necessarily traditional psychological, but things that were originated in childhood. Right. Two were self-reported mental health condition and one was just anyone with a companion animal at all. So you guys can see that the the research is kind of all over the board. Like <laughs> right. Because again, studies. it's hard to get a consistent yeah, group yeah. and it's hard to control this, this uh, variable, different types of animals. Right. So 12 said that 12 of the studies said that any type of companion animal was included in the study. Four were cats and dogs specifically. 15 of the studies reported benefits of having mental health benefits of having Mm. an animal like stress reduction, distraction, positive coping skills, social support. And nine reported some negative elements, actually. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Owning a pet, which makes sense, right? There are some. Yeah, that's a responsibility. (laughs) Yeah. Again, there were benefits, but it was mostly all qualitative data, just people Mm self-report. It seems like the benefits did overshadow the drawbacks. And basically, overall, pets helped to combat loneliness. They helped with worrying and rumination, so kind of improving mindfulness. There is some information or some theories that they could help during grounding with flashbacks. Oh, yeah. Not lots of evidence for that yet. Like a lot of this it's is still really, new. Yeah, yeah. A lot of this is really hypothetical. And then some people reported that they use them during crisis. Mm-hmm. And then I also saw, I didn't really go into this, but some studies on how pets affected people with adjustment to mental health symptoms during COVID. There were different levels. And depending on how severe you were with mental health symptoms. If you yeah. were really, really severe, it didn't really help. But kind of the moderate severity level, pets did help people's coping and adjustment during COVID, which I thought was interesting. So again, really new, but something to think about. Definitely. Yeah. And so one of the other studies that I found, it showed that dogs can help children with ADHD focus their attention. Kids who read to animals showed better social skills, more sharing, cooperation, volunteering. They also had fewer behavioral problems. Oh, that's cool. See, yeah. I never do the child Children side. with autism spectrum disorder were calmer while playing with a guinea pig in the classroom. Oh, that's um, cool. <laughs> they spent 10 minutes uh, with supervised playtime with guinea pigs and their anxiety levels dropped. And then they also had better social skills and more engagement with their peers. Neato burrito. Which for, you know, autism spectrum, that's a big deal. Yeah. It's so crazy. I never think about including child research. I'm, but that's a lot of the therapies that involve animals are with kids because, ah. you know, working with a pet and getting them to do a skill and, you know, yeah. the, that interaction that makes sense. can have a lot of benefit. So like Sunny said, too, there are physical benefits that can come from the physical activity necessary to take care of them. Social benefits, you know, you're walking your dog, you get to meet new people, go to dog parks. Mm hmm. You know, even watching a fish swim can provide that feeling of calmness. Yeah. But before getting a pet, though, you do need to consider if you're physically and mentally able to care for one. Do you have the memory skills able to remember to feed them? Do you have the energy, strength, and mobility to play and clean up after them? 
Can you take a dog on daily walks? There are increased fall risks for elderly people. Yeah. You know, with dogs. They, they require extra care and it's a living, breathing creature. Mm-hmm. So we have to be really careful and respectful with how we treat it. I actually have a friend who's a veterinarian. I actually have a couple of friends who are veterinarians. So that's weird. Hmm. I just thought about that. That's cool. Well, one of them was telling me that she does actually have a little bit of concern about people getting pets for just mental health issues mm-hmm. and i actually would echo that i, I really do yeah have a there are some people about. who have certain mental health conditions that i have worked with that i have thought no you you should not have a pet you yeah. cannot care for yourself enough that you could not care for a pet yeah it's it's not fair to the pet and so mm-hmm. it's, it, it is an important and critical decision that you really weigh through that mm-hmm. While you are getting benefit, the pet is also getting benefit. It should be something mutually beneficial to everybody in- yeah. involved. Yeah. And- that pet is a living human, <laughs> living human, living being, and you need to treat it accordingly. Yeah. And they also have financial costs. The Euro- U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics reported that the average pet owner spends $500 on their pets a year. Wow. You know, you have vet visits, you have grooming, you have That's food. A shit ton. Yeah. Yeah. Like, so if you don't have the money or the physical ability or the, you know, the time to kind of help take care of that critter, whatever critter you get, then don't get the animal because you want an animal. That's yeah. not fair to them. Yeah. One thing I actually end up doing a lot of times with clients, weirdly enough, do not even ask me about why I do this, but a lot of times it's budgeting. Mm-hmm. A lot of people will end up bringing in like just being really, really, really stressed about money and we can te- teach them like really basic budgeting skills. Right. And one of the things I see all the time is probably an average of 200 bucks a month spent on pet pets. hair. Yeah. People, people love their pets, but it is expensive. It is. It is. And you also need to think about what you have the capability of taking care for. You know, a cat doesn't have as much attention as a dog would. And, you know, if you're getting a puppy... That's just like having a new baby. I mean, right? In a parents lot of ways. don't come at me. To I heard, I had a friend once tell me this, and I thought it was excellent. Having a baby, you are trying to protect the baby from the world. Yeah. Having a puppy, you are trying to protect your world from that puppy. <laughs> <laughs> also, puppies are super duper mobile and can try to kill themselves in many, many ways. Where yeah. Babies are a little less mobile when they're young. <laughs> so yeah, it is a big responsibility. It is. So you do need to consider that before yeah. jumping on the pet bandwagon. Yeah. So what? tell me a little bit, you alluded to this earlier. What is the difference between a service animal, an emotional support animal, all these different types of animal? Yeah. So a service animal is defined as an animal that is individually trained to work or perform tasks with an individual with a disability, which could include physical, sensory, psychiatric, intellectual, or other mental disability. Mm-hmm. So these are dogs that are guiding blind people, uh, alerting people who are deaf, pulling a wheelchair, alerting and protecting a person who's having a seizure, reminding a person with a mental illness to take prescribed medications, calming a person during a panic uh, attack, or performing other duties. So these animals are very specifically trained mm-hmm. to respond and engage in a certain way to help somebody perform a task. You know what I don't know about this is—is is there some sort of like certification program for these ser- service animals? Oh, you know that. Okay, <laughs> tell me what you know. Yeah, so they're generally speaking to obtain a service animal, 
you are going to get an already trained animal. You're not going to pick out the dog and then get it trained. Interesting. You are going to go to a facility that trains animals that has already worked on this animal for this long time and then get one from there. Very interesting. The Americans with Disabilities Act, you know, covers and protects. So you can take that animal everywhere you go. There are various organizations that train them, but... I don't know all of the different ones because there, yeah. there are uh, various numbers, but right. they they are organizations and or companies that specifically focus on that. Right. And again, service animals are basically dogs. Right. They're, for some reason, ADA also covers miniature horses <laughs> in some rare occasions. <laughs> but other than that, <laughs> it is a dog. Apparently, some miniature uh, horses can help with some uh, physical stuff. I mean, I could see it guiding or pulling a wheelchair or something, you know, whatevs. Man, I don't even know. That, to me, I want, first of all, I want a Shetland pony <laughs> that gets me my coffee. And this is my service Shetland pony. And everybody can just deal with that information about me. But uh. but really, I mean, it, there is a certification process. And it takes a long time. And you have to fill out all sorts of applications. Right. You to have to get have a legitimate identified disability to qualify for this. Yeah. So there are a lot of hoops that you have to jump through and apply for yeah. before you can obtain a service animal yeah and a lot of times it is one of the biggest indicators is, in my understanding is if there is a physical limitation like yes. a lot of times they're very focused on e- even if this is a mental health condition they're applying for the service animal for right there has to be an associated physical, physical something limitation. yeah yeah mm-hmm. which is i don't i mean there, that seems like that exists, but also that that's a high bar to meet. It so, is. Yeah. yeah. As far as mental health diagnoses go, most of the time service animals, you're going to see them, you know, with are blind and deaf and, and yeah. physically disabled. Yeah. Right. So what's an emotional support animal then? So an emotional support animal is an animal that provides support through alleviating one or more symptoms uh, of a person's disability. Mm hmm. So emotional support animals provide companionship, relieve loneliness, sometimes help with depression, anxiety, PTSD, and certain phobias, but they do not have to perform certain tasks or assist people with disabilities. So they are just basically, they're just a companion animal. (laughs) Yeah, they're chilling. They are trained to just be a companion. And the trainings for emotional support animals are not that (laughs) intense, guys. Do not come at us, but like you can basically get you can base on the internet. yes and that could be at a support iguana yeah you know yeah with Absolutely. with emotional support animals there aren't a lot of a limitations <laughs> yeah it, it's kind of just whatever is helping you if you can get somebody to write off and say this is helping you then then you're kind of protected and the reason people want this is because you are protected under hud so this is the housing and urban development so Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. See, this is your so, social work stuff coming exactly. in. I, don't, I have no idea about so this. So like shit. a I'm service like, no. animal, you can take anywhere, right? Okay. A service animal can go into any building, any business. You have to allow it. An emotional okay. support animal, however, is not allowed in various places. Very interesting. They are only – it's only basically for if you live somewhere and they say you can't have pets – then mm-hmm. you can say, this is an emotional support animal. Yes, I can. Okay. Got it. <laughs> very, very interesting. Do you, I you – know, you know I have some feelings about a lot mm-hmm. of this. Do you know anything about the research really on – I mean, I know there is good research for service animals, but on emotional support animals? Not a lot, no. Yeah. I, I think that's still new. And again, I think that there – 
just like a lot of services and things like this, people have taken advantage. So the waters yeah. are murky. There are a lot of people who have, quote unquote, emotional support animals that are hokey as shit. And that animal is the most untrained. Yeah, it's like shitting on the floor. Yeah. Actively. Yeah. It's In like, fact, it's, it's not it's not providing support. support. It's yeah. making things more stressful. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's I think part of it is it's just like anybody and anything. There's no real regulations yeah. around it. So there's yeah. probably a broad spectrum. Exactly. Of how people are interacting with it. Exactly. For some people, it's probably really helpful. For other people, it's probably not super helpful. I think where I tend to I don't know where I tend to go with these sorts of things is if I've got an open bullet wound as a psychologist, mm-hmm. I will do whatever I can to plug the bullet wound. I'll tourniquet it. I'll put bandages on it. Yep. I'll do whatever I can. And a lot of times it's not pretty. And so I'll say, what? I don't know. Whatever. This is the best I've got. I'm trying really hard did to just- Did my best. Yeah, did my best <laughs> to just get you on your feet as a human. And sometimes that will inclu- include, you know, okay, sure, this person wants an emotional support animal, so- this this person pursues that right independently but i don't know that this would be something i would recommend because i really think the research is still out on it it is everybody loves creatures everybody wants to snuggle a creature that Mm -hmm. makes a lot of sense but i'm really hesitant to say yes this will help your depression right yes this will help your ptsd i'm concerned because a lot of times we jump into things as a field feet first, and then we have to walk back shit like rebirthing therapy. <laughs> like, oh, sorry, man, that I squeezed you with hot uh, towels. Isn't that just how all of these fields work, though? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's like, oh, maybe we should wash our hands before performing surgery. Yeah. <laughs> Novel idea. Yeah. Hey, remember that time I told you to put urine all over your body and then also drink it? Mm, don't maybe do don't it. do that again. <laughs> right. So with service animals, uh, yes, okay. Emotional support animals, I'm a lot more hesitant Agreed. about it. Yeah. yeah. Because it can be because there is a lot more gray out there for the there are not as many restrictions and requirements for emotional support animals. So you're going to have a mixed bag. And like you said, there are some people who it's not it's going to hurt more than it's going to help. Yeah. There are, as much as I do think there are plenty of people that I've worked with that I've seen them get an animal and it has helped their lives in a multitude of ways with stress, with socialization, with just behavioral mm-hmm. activation and getting out and doing stuff. There are people who it hinders and it becomes a security blanket. Yeah. You know, Yeah, I think of those panic attacks or those flashbacks and they never learn how to ground themselves without their animal. Right, right, right. There's a, there is a lot of – so – a lot of the anxiety, phobias, PTSD type mm-hmm. of conditions we treat with things like exposures where we gradually introduce you to the thing that, that is stresses you out. scary to yeah. you. Yeah, social situations, concerts, whatever. And sometimes if you have that security blanket, it prevents the exposure from From working. fully happening and taking. So now you're not confident in your own ability to get through this. You're only confident in your ability to get through it with, with that animal. Yeah, exactly. With that blanket. Yeah. Yeah, with, yeah, with the blanket. <laughs> so we want to be really- We don't want you to be lying us, guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, when I was uh, in college, I made a like a- well, I won't go into it, but a comic book about Linus and oh. Freud. Yeah. <laughs> so it was fun. It was like, it's about the security blanket. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I have to see this someday. Yeah, it was about the security blanket. No big deal. Oh, anyway. I love it. Yeah. So it's it's we're we are both we're cautiously optimistic, but we don't want these things being a security blanket blanket or necessarily my other concern is don't replace people with pets right because i've seen that happen too it's like well you know i talked to my cat or i talked to my dog so i don't need people 
It's and like, yeah, you still need you still need people. I mean, my cat meows back at me, but she doesn't know what I'm saying. Yeah, you do. <laughs> there is actually something different organically between having a dialogue in a language you understand and yeah. a dialogue in meow meows. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I talk in meow meows too, but it can't be your only can't right. be your only conversation. Right. Anything. Well, and so I did want to also define therapy and comfort animals. Oh, I don't know the difference. Go for it. So therapy and comfort animals are not limited to working with people with disabilities and are also not legally defined. Okay. So with um, with a service animal and emotional support animal, there are legal definitions mm. because there are very, you know, the emotional support, you have the housing that has to allow it. And then with service animals, everybody just has to allow it. Therapy and comfort animals, there isn't necessarily a legal definition, but there is quality strict trainings that the animals have to go through. Okay. Is comfort animal like what you would see in hospice? Yeah. So, yes. Comfort animals work during active crises. They offer a calming distraction uh, during those disaster emergencies. So if you see maybe there's a house burning down and you see like somebody with a, a support dog that's walking around there, that that person brought that animal there to help provide support during that crisis. Mm-hmm. So there are different comfort animals that go out to those situations. And mm-hmm. like you said, the, in exam- the hospice, in the hospice or, or kind of hospital situations, <clears throat> like cancer wards, that sort of thing. Right, right. And now a therapy animal provides people with healing contact and typically they are in an institutional clinical setting. So there is typically a handler or a therapist that is using that animal in their therapy practice. Hmm. So that is to help either improve somebody's physical, social, emotional, or cognitive functioning. So they will engage with that animal during their therapy. And we and we don't know, again, the research on that either. Not a lot because it is, again, it's still so, so new. But there yeah. are... There are animal-assisted therapy programs. Mostly you're going to find... Horses. Horses and cat dogs. Yeah. Some cats, but those are, you know, cats, dogs, and horses, equestrian therapy. Yeah. Those are all things that you have heard of and are pretty out there now. But again, it's all still new. There are some that have birds, rabbits, guinea pigs, and pigs and llamas. <laughs> I know, right? Oh, my gosh. I don't uh, know what a therapy with birds would look like straight up. Oh, it might be fun. I don't I've know. I've had parrots, and they are buddy. Dude, I yes, I agree. I've interacted with a parrot, and that thing was a dick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> parrots are about the tough love sort of they are, they therapy are. skills. Yeah. But again, these animals receive extensive trainings and how to interact with people, and they can only be allowed into locations that they are invited into. So like, like I said- a vampire. Uh, one of the inner things that i had i had done a training on animal assisted therapy because at a time i was hoping to make my dog Mm. you know become a part of all that jazz and maybe i will still who knows (laughs) right he can be my therapist (laughs) (laughs) but the one of the examples i remember in that training was she talked about with kids the do- like the therapist is has like a signal to the dog and would basically be like you can do anything that the kid tells you to do do it and then there was a signal that would say don't don't listen you know mm. don't do what the kid's telling you to do and wow. so at one point she had the dog kind of stop responding and stopped sitting and playing and doing all the routines or whatever and the kid got frustrated was like why won't he listen and and she used that as an example to be like it's, yeah it's kind of frustrating when 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 animals or people don't listen to us, you, do you think that's maybe what your parents feel like when when you they try to ask you to do this thing and you go do this thing? Oh, that's clever. Yeah. That's so really like they're clever. 
And, you know, you're learning those social skills with interacting. And I don't know. I just thought that was a decent example to show how sometimes it can be used within the therapy process. And kids are hard to open up. They're not hard to open up, but they're hard to get to the root of what's happening. You got to really dance around and play some games with them. Yeah. So having an animal there can help really open those floodgates. Yeah. I am not going to pretend that I know basically anything about child stuff. I am (laughs) like totally out of the loop on that. I do mostly adult work and I've Jero kind of older adults. Yeah. So you're the expert here. I I could whatever you tell me. Like you could spoon feed me anything at this point. I'd be like, all right. Well, I know don't I do not claim to be an expert either. I've only dabbled in true truly working with children personally myself. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I have done various trainings and I know some things from social work life. Yeah. You know me, I'm the resident skeptic, so unless <laughs> I see an article or a human in front of me that has demonstrably changed related That's to a, a service animal, I just I have to see it. I don't trust anyone or anything, which apparently includes dogs. Although, you know, you know what? I am really I do this is so weird, but I do worry about the effects of being a support animal on the dog. I had a full <laughs> conversation with my vet friend about this. I just want the dog yeah. to be okay too. Oh yeah. So it's just an interesting. Have you ever seen those memes of like the dogs like <laughs> making eyes or like I just told my therapy dog my problems now it needs in its own therapy dog. <laughs> Uh, we have a friend who has a terrible terrible dog and this dog was an emotional support animal which Uh, i don't even know this dog just yells it's terrible and my dog is its emotional support animal basically so i just don't the the criteria are very open let's just say that much the criteria are open and some people will write those letters and some people won't it's just what it is yeah because there is a difference between again if it's legally defined like emotional support animals and service animals There are some people that don't want to dip their toe in that because that's forensics. That's yeah. legal. Yeah. That's legal stuff. And we normally provide treatment. Yeah. That's a di- there's a difference. There's a Yeah. There's a totally different set of expectations there, rules and regulations. So it's understandable if somebody's not trying to write letters for that sort of thing. So, so what are you going to do for the outside of podcast experiment? What are you going to try out? Well, I'm going to try to just be a little more mindful when I am interacting with my pets. I I really want to enjoy my floofy, fluffy times with my kitty and my dog. And because sometimes I I don't pay them enough attention. (laughs) I get so distracted from the day to day. They're like, oh, love me. And I'm like, yeah, I don't have time to love you right now. Yeah. (laughs) So I just want to be more mindful when I am. I hear you totally. I am absolutely going to use mindfulness skills with my dog. My favorite thing to do is to come home and to get on my knees and just kind of push back her ears and she just looks into my eyes and I look into her eyes and I just want to do some deep breaths yeah yeah (laughs) do some deep breaths get the oxytocin just hang in there for a couple of seconds with my dog and just remember that you know I want to live in the flow of time with Mm -hmm. my dog here in the now yeah be in the now that's all so (laughs) I've got an I have a joke too okay okay okay, Okay, you hit me you oh okay you hit me (laughs) Where should you never take a dog shopping? I don't know. The flea market. Oh. (laughs) Boo. (laughs) Boo. Uh, Okay. This one is related. What do you call a dog that meditates? I don't know. And a werewolf. Ah, <laughs> that's I don't know, clever. I don't know how long my run is going to last of telling jokes. I was going to say, this is impressive. Related to this, but here we are. I'm going to be the dad joke 
king slash queen. We're going to try to be. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. All right. Well, guys, that's our podcast for today. Again, support us on Patreon. Write in if you want to talk yeah. to us. And Follow, like, send us emails. Hit yeah. us up. Snuggle your floofs or I don't oh. know, your scaly creatures, whatever. Yeah, whatever you like. Whatever's in your heart. I don't care. <laughs> do, <laughs> do whatever you want. Snuggle something. Consensually, please. <laughs> All right, everybody. Have a good one. We'll talk to you next week. Talk to you. Bye. Bye.